It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's time to take a ride on the Steelers afternoon drive with our co-hosts, Alan Saunders and Zachary Smith. Welcome into another episode of Steelers Afternoon Drive. I'm Zachary Smith. That is Alan Saunders. Uh, well, Alan, we're here. We made it. We're here. This is the very first non-afternoon version of Steelers Afternoon Drive. It needs another yes. name. I, I think I'm thinking, like Steelers Midnight Ride, maybe, or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We are um, we're in uncharted territory here. And I apologize if... This may be the best looking episode of Steelers Afternoon Drive ever because I don't know how much of me you're going to be able to see. Uh, As I am, we are recording this immediately after the, well, not Uh, immediately after, but after uh, the game and my coverage of the game. So it's about 11.30 p.m. on Saturday here on Christmas Eve Eve as the Steelers just beat the Bengals and I am uh, about to leave Acrisure Stadium. So, yeah, we're doing this for the first time. The holiday, I don't know, made this get timing of this difficult. So we're sharing mm-hmm. something, and we'll see how this is going to go. But uh, I don't know yeah. how well you're going to be able to see me throughout this version of my drive home, uh, given the timing of everything. Yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll do the best we can. We'll see how it progresses. Right now it looks very similar to, I think it was Wednesday of this past week's episode where you were driving, and it was like we literally saw it get dark as you were driving. Um, It's pretty similar to that right now. But, Alan, we got to dive into this game because it's going to take a long time to talk about everything that happened in this one. First and foremost, man, Mason Rudolph, how happy do you have to feel for a guy like that? It is Festivus today. You mentioned uh, you know Christmas Eve, Eve Festivus. He aired some grievances out there on the football field against the Cincinnati Bengals. Man, like what? I, I, mean, I didn't really. I guess I I knew kind of the situation with Mason Rudolph, and I'll be honest, like 
I had kind of written the guy off, like as as a someone that mm-hmm. was going to be an asset to the Steelers again. Like it just didn't seem like it was in the cards, right? That that was going to happen. And you know, he talked very openly about like wondering whether he was ever going to get another shot, wondering whether he was going to have a job in the NFL next year if he didn't, right? And you know, talked about like. You know, I'm wondering if next year I'm a quarterback or if I'm a commercial real estate agent, you know? And, like, I think, man, that's, like, talk about some stakes. You know, like, we talk a lot about young players. You know, you never know when you're going to get a shot. How about a guy who's 28 and then never knows if he's going to get another one? And to to get this opportunity, he said he could not sleep on Monday night before his first day as a first-string quarterback in practice since 2019 because you think about it he played that game in 2021 but ben practiced all week right Mm -hmm. so it's been like a really long time since mason actually like took a full week of first team reps he said he couldn't sleep the night before he was so excited so nervous talk about pressure and like the emotional aspect and the mental aspect of that for mason rudolph like this game meant a lot for the team and we'll talk about the team situation and where they were and all that but just about how much that game meant for that guy in his career. I mean, he could get mm-hmm. another contract based just on that performance worth, you know, a couple of million dollars. Like, that's some big-time stakes for a dude to go out there and play statistically the best game of quarterback the Steelers have seen since 2018. How about that? From Mason Rudolph. Nobody yeah. had that on their bingo card except for, like, two random weird guys on Twitter. Oh, I know. I, I know one of them for sure from Twitter. I gave him a couple shout outs today. I felt like I had to. It was his night uh, in the making. But um, yeah, everything that you just said there just makes me have a greater appreciation for what he did tonight. You know, and again, like just having to respect the fact that he was able to do that and really cool moment for him, too. I mean, all the chance, the Mason Rudolph chance, them playing Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer uh, a couple times, especially like, you know, uh, at the end of the game when he's walking onto the field to shake hands and stuff like that. Just, man, what a full circle moment for him and the city of Pittsburgh going from, you know, a guy that nobody wanted in the city anymore in the fan base to delivering this performance with, again with the stakes being so high, not just for himself, but for the team. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of he, he even said it, you know, I've been on the other side of that. Like it's it's you know, you can't you can't live and die by it or you'll go crazy, but you're also like not a real human being if you don't acknowledge how good it feels and like man, you just and I like I've I've said this before, but Mason has been such a professional about the mm-hmm. entire situation, about accepting his role and being a good teammate and I made another comment tonight about like making sure he felt like he was earning his paycheck, like however that was. But there was like giving guys the business on the on the scout field, you know, or whatever. Like he was trying to find a way to make an impact all that time to be as prepared as he could be. And I'll tell you what, man, he looked better. Like it's not like this was just 2019 Mason Rudolph all over again. Like I thought he looked pretty good. He made, yeah. made good progressions. He made good reads. Like, I mean, some of his stat totals are sort of inflated by the fact that two times he threw the ball to George Pickens, who ran away from the entire defense, right? I mean, like, but still, like, I I thought it was really good in this game. Like, that's not just George Pickens doing all the heavy lifting and and Mason Rudolph skating by. Like, he was was a very good quarterback in this game. 
Yeah, there was some like honey hole shots that he was hit. There was one where he like layered the ball perfectly in between a corner and a safety on the left hash. And like, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I thought there were some very impressive throws made in this one, too. I would obviously have to go back and watch it. We're talking uh, after just seeing it live, both of us. But um, yeah, very impressed with his performance. I wanted to ask you because as you were talking there, it kind of made me this question pop in my mind. So now, Mitch Trubisky in his spot, how have you seen him, if at all, to this point, obviously very early in the process here, take to the role that he's now put in where Mason is now the QB1 in front of him? It's really hard because they're going to be honest, those folks on a lot of things that were not Mitch Trubisky this week. Um, sure. That'll yeah. probably be something that like plays out in the long term. I think it's really easy to be it's really easy in week one to say all the right things right like I, mm-hmm. you know I, I think you expect that especially from a guy who's a quarterback who's well spoken i think that's something that has to play out over time where like if that's your role and if that's what you're going to do are you still being a good teammate are you still doing a good job in that role weeks and months and maybe even years later like i think that's a whole different level than doing it for one week so i don't know that i would be able to really compare what mitch did to what Mason has done because I expect most players to be good teammates for a week or two or three. It's when it drags on for the length of time that Rudolph's did. I think it really becomes noteworthy. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. Um, which just popped in my mind. Um, and then the last thing, or last thing that I have immediately about Rudolph, we could end up circling back, or maybe you have other thoughts, but I uh, just thought about this too. Is it at all a conversation for who is the quarterback next week if Kenny Pickett is able to return for that one? Well, I mean, I think if the conversation is like, now I don't think you, like, I, I think it was like some point last week where I was like, yeah, give me Kenny on one leg at this point. Like, I mm-hmm. think this rules that out of the possibility where like, Maybe there's a situation where Kenny is cleared medically, but then you see him out there and you're like, yeah, okay. He's not really moving very well. Like maybe you don't play that guy. You know, maybe you don't play Kenny if all the matter what Rudolph does, Pickett is too important to this team and its future to not play him. Like, it doesn't – nothing else matters. This team doesn't win the Super Bowl. Like, you, you have to do your due diligence with Kenny Pickett and give him as many opportunities as you can to either sink or swim in that job. It's not helping anyone to win one more game with Mason Rudolph. And, in fact, yeah. I think, you know, like – Mike Tomlin is very steadfast that he does not care about his win, winning, non-losing season streak. I, I think that would be a really good way to prove it, too. It would be like, look, I don't care if Mason is better right now. Like, we picked Kenny to be our starter for reasons that he is still our starter. And we're not going to go back on that just because Mason had one good game. We knew Mason was capable of playing well. That's why he was on the team but we still pick Kenny Pickett as our starter. Yeah, that's interesting. That, that's the same conversation we've had, like, in the – I don't remember when it was, but we had that same conversation weeks ago. It wasn't Mason. It was Mitch, though, that we were talking about, obviously, yeah. and just saying, like, is it worth winning one more game in the regular season or getting, you know, valuable reps out of seeing what Kenny Pickett is? And I'm with you, though. Like, it's more about the long-term than the short-term hair for me. And the other thing is, you know, I don't – 
think that there is a single team out there that if like both of those guys were free agents next year would pick Mason Rudolph over Kenny Pickett. Like there is obviously talent and ability in Kenny Pickett that is yet to be unlocked that the Steelers have made their job to do so. And there's no reason to give up on that just because Mason Rudolph had a good game. Um, and, you know, I like they had a real competition last year. I don't really yeah. think that they gave Mason Rudolph a fair chance of winning it. I, I will say that. But I also think that he was not the best quarterback. Like, you know, he was good, but it's not like – it's not like Mason has been sitting there, like, showing up everybody else, like, doing more to earn more than he's got. You know, like, he has had the role that he has earned largely, even though Mitch Trubisky, when he got his chance, did not play well, and Mason Rudolph, when he got his chance, did play well. Like, that doesn't mean yeah. that Trubisky's a worse quarterback now. That just means he had some bad games and Rudolph had a good one. You can't overreact to a – very small sample size here. Like, I think Rudolph could win another game if he needs to, if they want him to. I don't think that's beyond him. But no one is going into the 2024 season with Mason Rudolph as their starting quarterback, right? So it's a waste sure, yeah. to to play him if you're not. Yeah, I agree. I just think, like, as Steelers fans, with the QB play that we have gotten – for you know an extended period of time when you see one that is of the caliber of this and again you know 17 of 27 290 yards a couple touchdowns again largely coming on a lot of the act from george pickens plays um the bar was just set so low that with the performance he had i think we'd have a tendency to overreact to it and i'll say this also like do we know that Kenny Pickett couldn't have done that? I mean, he diced up those Bengals pretty good the first game. I mean, he's really only like one or two red zone plays away from having a very similar performance. And by the way, none of his wide receivers had 100 yards of yak in that game. You, you know, like, I don't really think what Kenny Pickett did in the last game out against the Bengals is that far removed from what Mason Rudolph did today that, like, you, you're, you're, you're talking about just throw the guy out. Like, I, I don't. The Steelers aren't there. They're not going to be there. You know, that they need to work on their guy, and I expect that they will if he is healthy. I do think the play of Rudolph does give you that flexibility where if Pickett is not fully healthy, doesn't look like he's really physically poised to be the kind of guy that we've seen him be, then maybe you let him wait until he is uh, because Rudolph is playing well when you might have rushed mm -hmm. him back if you weren't getting that kind of performance from a backup quarterback. Yeah, no, that's absolutely fair. And Alan, I think we should just now talk about the guy that we're talking about here with the Yak, a guy that we've talked about a lot over the course of this week. What is wild about this, right? 195 receiving yards. It comes on four receptions, 48 and a half yards per reception tonight for George Pickens. Uh, somebody said to me, and this is like one of the most wise things I've heard a drunk Yenzer say in a football stadium. They were like, life is about ups and downs, but it's about how you respond. And look at how George Pickens responded tonight. I was like, did I just hear somebody that's like probably blacked out, not even going to remember saying this, say this in a football stadium right now? But it's funny um, because Alan Robinson's quote to Nick Farabaugh in the locker room is yeah. almost the exact same thing. He said, <laughs> like, the NFL season can be like a roller coaster. And 
you yeah. can't be afraid of the ups and downs. Like you have to enjoy them yeah. and embrace them because you are not going to have perfect seasons. Like you are going to need to overcome adversity and learn how to do it. And if you don't like roller coasters, you're not going to survive in this environment. And George did it. And like, wow. that is almost verbatim. what yeah. I was talking about. <laughs> Go read Nick's story. It's really, I think it's one of his best uh, about yeah. how the Steelers got George Pickens right this week to come play this game. And I think they deserve a lot of credit for getting through to the person and finding a way to get him engaged to play this game. I think that was very important, right? It's really easy as media and as fans to have a big picture perspective about like, hey, this guy, he seems like he's not so great. Like, do we even really want him around? Like, I think that's an easy reaction for yeah. fans and media to have, right? If you're if you're on that team, though, I think your reaction is, this guy is not right, and we need to win a game with him this week. How do we fix it? Like, hmm. forget the big picture. How do we fix it right now? How do we get that guy engaged enough to go help us win a game in seven days? And I think the Steelers deserve a lot of credit and when I say the Steelers, I'm mostly talking about the guys in the locker room for yeah. getting George right and getting George in a mental state to make an impact in this game. Because I think we all could have envisioned some performance where he came out here and looked disinterested and mm-hmm. didn't give a full effort and kind of pouted or kind of moped, you know, and, and didn't look like the kind of player we've seen. I think we all probably had a piece of that vision in our head. And I think it's a huge credit to the team that they were able to find a way to not let that happen. And I think it's important to give them that credit. I also think it's important that no one ever thought George Pickens wasn't a good wide receiver, right? Like no one ever thought that George Pickens wasn't capable of making the kind of impact on a game that he made tonight. The problems with George Pickens were about how he handled his emotions and how he gave an effort to his teammates and how he presented himself as a professional. And I got to tell you, there are no negative emotions to deal with. There is no adversity to overcome. And there is no no professional concern when you catch two, two touchdowns at 195 yards. Everyone can respond to that situation. That situation Mm -hmm. does not require any maturity or any growth as a person. So while I think the Steelers deserve a lot of credit for getting him in a place where he was able to contribute, I don't think that those of us that were approaching this with a big picture perspective should now be like, oh, he's fixed. Everything's great now. Don't worry about it. Just because he caught some balls. If he'd been catching the balls all along, there probably would have never been a problem. But that's not realistic. Like, that's what we just talked about. You're going to go through those time periods of adversity, and we'll really learn something about George if the next time he goes out there and has a bad game or a game where he's not a part of the offensive game plan or he does something wrong in a game, does he do a better job of owning up for it? Does he do a better job of dealing with the negative emotions about dealing with things in a professional manner, that's when we'll really see if he actually learned anything from this week or not. 
Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. I think that's a good point, too. Like, we haven't, that hasn't been tested yet, again. You know, like, that's why you talked about this past week, how you would have loved to have seen just early and often Jalen Warren running behind George Pickens and having him as the blocker outside and seeing how he responded to it. And I agree, but, like, from the second play of this game where he takes it 86 yards to the house, he was the guy in the passing game. And um, I, and, and that's obviously fine, too, and you can appreciate what he obviously did on the football field tonight. But, again, the things that we were questioning weren't really things that got brought up in this game. So obviously appreciate the effort he had and contributing to this win, but it's not like the things that were being questioned all of a sudden got answered. And, you know, the other thing is obviously, you know, his media availability on Tuesday was kind of a mess, right? I mean, he yes. said a bunch of things that he probably should not have said. And his media availability after this game was only slightly less than that. I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. I really don't. I think this is one of those I things did. that maybe is in the eye of the beholder. Um, it okay. is one video up on the um, YouTube hmm. channel if you want to okay. go check it out. But I, I haven't even seen it yet. I didn't know that he was so, available to the media after the game until he told me. Yeah, so he went, he went <laughs> to the podium, and he made a statement before he took questions. And his statement was great because he acknowledged saying something on Tuesday that ticked us off speaking to the media. But he mm -hmm. didn't apologize for it. He didn't say that he shouldn't have done it. He didn't say that he won't do it again. He just acknowledged that he ticked us off. Like, it was very matter-of-fact. Right, yeah. Like, I said some things that made you mad. And then he just moved on. <laughs> um, it was fantastic. I don't really know what to, I called it on Twitter. I called it a non-apology apology. Uh, or, like, he acknowledged that it existed. Uh, yeah. And then he just said, I just want to focus on winning and being a great player. Which, okay, I mean, I guess that's a perfectly good stance to have. And then mm -hmm. um, Mike DeFabo, the athletic, near the end of the availability, asked a very good question. He asked, you know, George, what do you feel like you learned from this week? And he said, I kept a lot of receipts. <laughs> I just, I don't know. That does not strike me as profound growth or maturity regarding this situation. Maybe other people might see it differently. I don't know. Um, he also wanted to say, I did think I learned that a lot of people just have a job to do. I'm, I don't really know what to make of that other than it feels like something the PR staff told him to say. Um, yeah. As if he was not aware that those of us in the media are doing our job before. I, you know, was that a new, this is new news. This is totally new information to George Pickens that, that like people like me are in fact, paid professionals to do our job I, I don't know i mean i don't know do they never talk to the media in georgia i don't know like i it's i don't know what to make of any of that it was certainly like if you were looking for contrition you certainly didn't get it like let's just say that okay yeah that's interesting again i had until we got on here right before we started recording i didn't even know that he spoke to the media and then you telling me that just now was the first time that i was hearing that the receipts thing that's very on brand also for him. put that I, on Instagram in an Instagram uh, reel or whatever you call it. Story. Story. Um, okay. Uh, wow. I, I kept a lot of receipts or something like that. That's always another thing, right? It's like the players posting on social media after wins. Like, yeah, like I saw Joey Porter posted something as well about like King of the North. Yeah. That was good. Actually. You know? I like that. Yeah. Um, uh, actually, 
Uh, do you have anything more about the actually I got to ask you one thing about the offense. So obviously Mason Rudolph played better, got a ton of yak from George Pickens and stuff. But when you score 34 points on offense, something the Steelers just have not done, you know, no defensive touchdown played a role in this. Was there anything other than just those two things for this offense? Like, how did you feel about the play calling, the sequencing? Obviously, there wasn't like a hundred yard rusher in this game, but they still had the offensive output they did. I have in my notebook the headline of a story that I've not written yet, but we'll give it away here. Uh, I think Falcon Sully bamboozled the Bengals, man. This was an awesome mm. job by okay. the Steelers' offensive brain trust. They knew exactly what the Bengals were doing before they did it and had an answer before the Bengals even knew what the question was in a way that I'm not sure I've seen the Steelers' offense do in a very long time. The Steelers came into the last game knowing that the Bengals were very vulnerable to the tight end. They were like, mm -hmm. um, I want to say 30th, they came in the league, uh, 30th or 31st in the league in uh, passing yards to tight ends. They came into that game. And they just spammed Friarmouth over the middle over the entire game from the first play on. And that's what they were able to move up and down the field. Now, they didn't have red zone success with that strategy, but they were able to move the ball basically at will on this Bengals defense that has just been yeah. eaten alive by the tight end all year. The Steelers come into this game. They're like, we just beat the crap out of the Bengals with this one thing. We did it over and over again. And we know they're going to spend all week trying to take that away from us. They never threw the ball to Pat for our moves one time the entire yeah. game. He did not even have a target. When the mm -hmm. Bengals sat in that cover two all last game, they were just frame with the middle, frame with the middle, frame with the middle. Now all of a sudden, there's one-on-one -on -one opportunities on the outside. And from the second play of the game, it's George and Deontay. They already knew what the Bengals were going to do in response to the way the last game played out. They made the change before they even saw it on the field, and they beat the crap out of them again with a better game plan for the second time in a row. I do not think that the Steelers' offense has been very good under Faulkner and Sullivan, and I think on the whole, yeah. it's been worse than it was with Canada running it. But this is a second very nice butt-whipping of the Cincinnati defense. Now, it's a bad defense. I think we should just say that out loud. But it was a bad defense that was not only physically beaten, but it was schematically beaten, too. And I think you really got to tip yeah. your hat to the Steelers' offensive brain trust for this one. I agree because, like, from a personnel standpoint, like, if you line up and beat them, okay, I could see that happening. But, like, Lou Anarumo is one of the best, in my opinion. So, I, you know, to out-steam them, that I think is on a whole different level. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean look, I mean, they were missing DJ Reader. You know, I think the running yeah. success with Najee, Najee Harris really was a lot because of that. The offensive line was able to – Mason still got hit a ton, but they were able to keep him from – getting sacked you know he was still able to get the ball out even though he was getting hit um but man i thought i thought they did a great job with the play calling with the game mm -hmm. plan really the, yep. the biggest thing to me was that the game plan felt really smart really well dialed into what you know they knew what was coming from the Bengals, and they just beat it up over and over again it was awesome to see really i think um 
one of the best game plans that they've had for a defense uh, this year and, and really going back several years. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. I, I do want to spend a little bit of time here as we are already almost at 26 plus minutes into this. We haven't talked about defense at all, and I do want to mention that. Um, first off, Jake Browning, just on the surface, right? You're looking, he has 335 yards, but it's going 28 of 42, a touchdown, three picks, took three sacks in this one as well, 69 QB rating. Uh, nice for the Steelers, not nice for the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, but Alan, in this one, I don't want to start it off with some bad news, but Elandon Roberts, another inside linebacker going down in this one with a peck injury. All right, well, let's start with the bad. Yeah, Erob, look, I don't know. I haven't talked to him. I don't think he had, like, a big sling or anything, but peck injuries are bad. Like, that's – I mean, TJ missed seven weeks with a minor one last year. Mm -hmm. Like, there's – That's what I was saying, yeah. I mean, I – I don't know, but that looks not promising, right? Um, but I thought Miles Jack played very well. Like, I thought he looked good. Um, boy, I, I tweeted the depth chart at safety before the game. I probably should have <laughs> tweeted the line. Think about this. They're now down three starting inside linebackers. They're, they're top three inside linebackers. And they're top four safety. And they give up eight points. So, I mean, look, an offense that's been doing okay, even though it hasn't had Joe Burrow. <clears throat> I thought they played really well um, up front. I thought they did a good job of impacting Browning. They made him make bad decisions, and he did it. I think if you saw that Vikings game last week, you kind of saw there were some questionable throws that were just sort of ending up in the hands of Bengals receivers. Where, like, mm-hmm. you look at the numbers, but then you look at the tape, and it's like, this guy isn't this good. Like, you could take advantage. In fact, we talked in our preview episode. I thought this was a matchup. <clears throat> the Steelers' defense could win, and then they really won it because of the yeah. You said Patrick I mean, Peterson was going to get one, by the way. So. I did. I did. Um, three interceptions, 17 points off turnovers, and really – one of them was in, in the end zone interception where the Bengals would have kicked a field goal. So a net plus 20 swing on those plays, that's pretty much the reason that this game gets out of hand for the Steelers, right? Like, they yeah. probably would have won without them, but that's the reason why the Steelers were able to have a comfortable victory for the first time. I don't even remember. Like, it's been a really long time. I saw Jordan, who I went to the game with, and I were talking about it. I remember they had two blowout (laughs) wins in 2020, like against Cleveland and against Cincinnati. And, like, those would be the last two that I can really, like, think of. There might have been one after that, but I don't remember if there was. So, um, I don't want to ask you something that, like, you you would have to go back on the tape and watch. But Eric Rowe also had a pick in this game, and he had to start, obviously, with all the how thin they got there. What did you think, at least on the surface, of his performance? Well, he had the pick, uh, which was really just thrown right to him. Um, I mean, I'm yeah. going to give him credit for catching it. Miles Jack had one thrown right to him, and he dropped it. Um, <laughs> That's so, true. Uh, he also took a pretty bad angle on the T. Higgins touchdown. That was the one big play for the Cincinnati oh, offense. I didn't realize it was him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's fine. Um, and Michael Walker had underneath coverage there, but Rowe should have been able to keep that from being a touchdown, you would hope. Um, 
And so, uh, you know, I would say good, especially considering that was my key matchup coming into this game, how mm. Roe and Shannon Sullivan were able to deal with Tyler Boyd. And even though, like, Higgins got him, Tyler Boyd did nothing in this game. And I really thought that he was the guy that if I was the Steelers' defense, I was really worried about. You know, I, I felt good about the king of the north. Apparently, that's what he's going with. Joey Porter <laughs> Jr. being able to yeah. overall limit T. Higgins. Um, I was worried about the way this sort of mishmash defense in the middle was going to deal with Tyler Boyd because he can gas you, man. He's he's really good. And he didn't get anything. Now, Yoshivas did. Uh, man, he's a fun player. Um, mm-hmm. But – uh, they, they really minimized Tyler Boyd, and I think Rowe and Shannon Sullivan might have had his best game as a Steeler. Those two really mm-hmm. did a lot to minimize uh, what Tyler Boyd brings to the table. And with no Jamar Chase, Joey locking down Higgins, you can take away Boyd. I think you're taking away most of the passing options for the Bengals that, that really, um, really worry you. Yeah, Joey Porter Jr. shadowed T. Higgins on 32 of the 40 routes that he ran. He had one reception on two targets for 15 yards as the nearest defender. Uh, also, Porter has kind of been doing this, right? He shadowed the opponent's top receiver the majority of their routes now in seven of the 11 games um, since becoming the starter. And, I, the, and the one of those games was Green Bay, which doesn't really have a top receiver. Yeah. So like, yeah. Really, it's been like almost all the time. I was going to ask you, though, like, at least for me, I can't think of a time where the Steelers and maybe it was just because like of the personnel that they've had, but this is typically to me, something that they don't really do is like having a, one guy shadow a top receiver and then you're, they're having a rookie do it now. It's funny that it's 24. Cause the last guy I remember doing it was like Taylor. Right. Like yeah. that was, that was the guy like he would do that. <clears throat> Since I, that has not really been a thing. They, they did it with Joe Hayden a little bit when in those years where like the other corner was just God awful. You know, whatever it was like, I don't remember, Valentino Blake or whoever was, you know, where they had a clear, big, bad drop off to the number two guy. They did it a little bit with Hayden, but for the most part, they've been a left and right team. And mm-hmm. they're really, uh, if Joey can clean up the penalties, he could be a, a Pro Bowl corner. I think that's, that's pretty clear already. Yeah, and, and see, that was more of a big picture thing. So, Alan, before we get out of here, I don't know if you have any other takeaways from this game or anything on your mind uh, before we get out of here. No, I mean, I think that's it. Mike Tomlin won two challenges. It was just one of those days. Everything went the Steelers' <laughs> yeah, yeah, way. Yeah, everything. I mean, yeah. like, just literally everything went the Steelers' way. And uh, I, you know, it seems like we're going to get another good one here in Seattle. Two teams are mm. – it'll be three weeks in a row we're going to have two teams that need to win to get in the playoffs. And – uh yeah. Should be a good one. Going to be a fun week to to monitor, too. Again, we brought up the quarterback stuff. Is it going to be a decision in the team's mind? I think that will be interesting to watch this week of practice. So I'm looking forward to that. Alan, tell the people where they could find you and all 55,000 stories that are going to be written from this game. At Saunders underscore PGH on X. PGH Steelers Now is a site's account. SteelersNow.com. Use promo code Allen 10 10% off. Now plus Derek has his dudes and duds up tonight. I'm gonna mm. have something. Nick might have something. Lots of good content over the next couple of days. You and I are gonna take a couple of days off and then come back on Tuesday after Mike Tomlin talks. 
Right. So we're recording this on Saturday. You guys will be watching this Sunday, Christmas Eve. So, of course, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Enjoy the time with your family, as Alan and I will both be doing. I'm Zachary Smith, PGH. Like, subscribe, hit that notification bell here. Hit us in the comments. Let us know what you want us to talk about when we do come back on Tuesday. We appreciate all you guys, as we always say, every single episode. Thanks for jumping in and taking another ride with us on the Steelers Afternoon Drive. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.